Welcome back to Weekly Dose of Serotonin. I am your host, Sarah, and today I am going to be talking about fashion. Like I said last week, I think it was, I mentioned that there was a special request for um, an episode topic. So we're going to talk about it today. I actually was going to talk about something else. Um, As I was getting ready for this episode, I was like, I'm kind of in the mood to talk about something different that has been on my mind for the last few days. But then I decided that that topic might actually be better to discuss with multiple people or like with at least one other person. So that might come next week if I can wrangle up some people to discuss this with me. Um, Then that might come the week after. I don't know. But I decided since that one is on the back burner, the other topics on the back burner, this one I will talk about the fashion. So just a heads up, this isn't going to be as like fun and games situation of me just judging people. (laughs) Um, I will just be giving my opinions as a non-fashion person. I'm not a fashion expert by any means. We have established this. Um, So take what I say with a grain of salt. Also, like just don't come after me if I'm wrong about everything. (laughs) So we're going to move on. Um, except for, I feel like I need to talk about this, even though I really don't need to talk about this, but I want to talk about it. Um, Taylor Swift has been having her ears tours. If you haven't been following along. Um, and last night she had a show and Carly Kloss was at it. And look, I love gossiping about celebrities. I feel like I don't do it on this podcast as much as I could because I do try to hold myself back slightly. Um, But because like also it's none of my business and it's none of my business. You know what I mean? Like I'll talk about it with my friends. I'll text people about it. But like, do I need to have a weekly podcast talking about it? No, there's tons of other people who do that already, who know more about things than I do. So it's fine. However, I'm very interested in the situation because so like Taylor Swift has had she has like a VIP tent, right? So like celebrities who have been coming to her shows sit in the VIP tent, which makes sense because then you don't you're not you're not just sitting next to like who's gone to her show recently. Um, like Taylor Lautner, you're not just like sitting next to him and then he's getting bothered by people being like, Hey, can we take photos? Can we take photos? People will still go up and want to take photos at the VIP tent, but you're like, not just like sitting amongst the crowd of peasants or whatever, you know, you kind of have your own space to like chill and whatever. And you can kind of have a little bit of not really privacy. Cause it's not like you're covered up, but like you would be able to have some reprieve. Like if somebody was like, can I take a photo? You're kind of farther back. So they can't like easily get to you if you're like vibing and jamming to the music, if that makes sense. So she has a VIP tent. And from what I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but from what I've heard, even celebrities who have gone, who like don't have tickets for the VIP tent or whatever. I don't, I don't know if tickets is the right word, but if they don't, if they're not already in the VIP tent before it starts, I've seen a few things that this could be totally wrong, but I've seen a few things where like, if people find out that that person is at the show, like whoever her people, Taylor's people are, if they find out that a celebrities at the show, then they'll go and like 
get them and bring them into the VIP tent or like invite them into the VIP tent or whatever. I have heard that. I don't know if that's true. But anyway, so Carly Kloss was at the um, concert last night with her husband, I believe. And it looked like maybe a few other, I don't know, friends or something like that. Um, she was in, she was in gen pop. She was, she was just out in the midst of everyone, you know, like just like in a normal, I think I had better seats than her, like in just a normal, I heard that she was up higher and then she got moved down to lower bowl. That could be incorrect. I think she was in the lower bowl. She probably had decent tickets, but I'm like, did you wait in the queue? Did you buy tickets like everybody else? Were you trying to get a presale or did you spend like $3,000 on a resale ticket because you couldn't get a presale code and get into the queue? Did you spend like a fortune to get a resale? Like all of that is so weird to me considering if you guys don't know about Taylor and Carly, I will give you a like just a very, very quick rundown. Um, They were besties like I don't even know, years ago, years and years ago. Um, I would say like 2014, 2015, 2016, somewhere around there, I feel like. Um, maybe up until like 2018-ish. They were friends for a few years. They were like, there were like probably like two or three years, especially where they were super close. They did like magazine covers together. They talked about all, each other all the time. Taylor said that she had a spare bedroom at her apartment. When Carly came over, she would like spend the night all the time. They were just hanging out constantly. Um, they like referred to each other as like sisters and were saying they were super close. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of, um, theories that they were secretly in a relationship with each other. I'm not going to go into that because I feel like that is somebody's private life. Um, and speculation about relationships and friendships is one thing, but I also feel like speculation might cross the line when you could be potentially outing somebody with your speculation. I mean, speculation is fine, but I feel like some people get really intense about it and are like, just admit it, just admit it. And I'm like, even if they were in a relationship, she doesn't owe anything to anyone. Like you can speculate all you want about it, but some people get weirdly demanding of her to like admit that they were in a relationship. I am of the camp that they could have been, but they could have also just been really good friends. People don't think they were just friends because after the falling out occurred, which we don't know if there was officially a falling out. Uh, like that's what people said. Like no one, neither of them ever came forward and were like, we're no longer friends. But it seems very, very evident to me that I don't know how anyone could deny that they have a, had a falling out just because they were so, 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 so close. And then now they're never together ever. And like, of course, people grow apart for sure. There are times where I'm like super, super close to certain people and then we both get super busy and so we don't talk very often. And so it'll, like a few months will pass where we're not talking often. And then we'll like catch up about something else again and start talking every day again and then kind of like drift apart again. Like drifting away is normal, I feel like. Um, But the thing is, (laughs) um, Carly was involved in, she was close to Scooter Braun, who bought the Masters, who bought Taylor's Masters, um, and Taylor 
does not like Scooter and didn't like Scooter even before the situation happened. She has referred to him as like her biggest bully. Like she said, he was always awful to her. Um, and so just Carly being friends with him anyways, to me, makes it seem like they probably aren't very good friends. Um, just because if I was friends with somebody and they were still friends with somebody who like was terrible to me, I feel like I would have some questions for that friend of mine. Um, but like, who knows? Like, I don't know the ins and outs of that situation, but Taylor did release several songs that referred to feeling betrayed by a friend. Um, there's one lyric it's time to in the song. It's time to go. That says when the words of, um, a sister prove that basically essentially saying when somebody's words of someone who you used to think was a sister come back to you, like you hear that she's been saying things about you and spreading rumors about you and you find out she's not a, the song says a twin from your dreams. Um, and people refer to them as twins all the time because they're both super tall. They had like the same type of body, the same color hair, I don't know if they both have the same color eyes. It doesn't really matter, but they looked pretty similar. Um, I think at the time, both of them had like pretty much the same length of hair too. Like when they were friends, they both had short hair. Um, and then it kind of grew at the same time. They have similar fashion styles. So they just kind of were very, very similar. A lot of people referred to them as twins. And yeah, so that lyric seems to point to her. There's another song called Closure that talks about getting somebody's letter in the mail and saying, like, I can feel you trying to smooth me over before you start your new life. And, like, I I don't need your closure. I'm over it. I'm fine. I've moved on. It's not a big deal. You don't need to send me this letter to say, like, we're done, you know, which I agree with Taylor on that note. Sometimes you just, you just, you just move on. I have had people... <laughs> there's no way they're going to listen to this. We are, have not been friends for a very, very, very long time. But I have had people who've reached out to me years after a falling out who have been like, hey, just to like talk this over or whatever. And like, it's never like a, hey, I'm really like, I have had somebody, <clears throat> it was actually in the same situation. I did have somebody say, hey, I'm sorry for hurting you in any way. And kind of like didn't really, not really explaining their side in the sense of like trying to like validate their own actions, but just being like, I didn't realize like how much my actions could have hurt you. I don't know if they did, but if they did, I am very sorry. I should have handled things differently. And it was very sincere and that was fine. I didn't need that, but it was, it was fine. I wasn't like mad about receiving it, but I also had somebody reach out to me and for like this closure or something, but it wasn't, it was like, I am sorry for anything I did, but I also want you to know that I forgive you for what you did. And I was just like, I like, it just, the way they worded it was, was less like a, I'm sorry, let's move on. And like, was like kind of like calling me out also, which was really weird because I was like, I don't feel like I did anything that I have to apologize for, but whatever. It it was just like, it felt random. It was unnecessary. If that made them feel better, that's fine. I had, even when I received that letter, I had already moved past the situation. So like, 
it didn't really stir up anything anymore. I just kind of read it and was like, "Mm, okay. And I think I did message them back and was just like, I ended up being like, yeah, I'm sorry for anything. Like any hurt I caused you to have a good life. Like essentially was just like, bye. I have no interest in rekindling a friendship with you. Um, and so like, I can like that song I can relate to in that sense of like, I didn't need that closure. Like I get that that's what you needed, I guess. But to me, it just felt like you were like trying to like smooth things over and tell yourself that you handled everything. Um, So like to me, it just very much feels like that kind of situation of like a friendship that you fell out of that friendship and now they're starting their new life around the time that song was released was like maybe a year or so or less after Carly had gotten married or maybe after she had had a baby. I can't remember which one it was, but very much like she could have written that during that time of like, you're starting your new life. You're getting married. You're having a kid and you're just trying to like close, like tie up any loose ends from your previous life, basically of whatever happened between us. Um, I have had, I have seen people saying like, there's no way that you could have had an, such an intense friendship that you would need to write songs about them. I wildly disagree with this. Um, they could have been in a relationship. Sure. They could have been, I'm not going to say that that's an impossibility. Um, I don't know, nor presume to know, nor even need to know either of their sexualities. However, I will just say platonic friendships can be as intense as romantic relationships. And if you have never been through a friend breakup before, count yourself lucky. I have been through a couple, sadly, in my life and they ruin you. They ruin you. I was talking to one of my friends this morning about the situation because I was like, did you see that Carly went there? Because I don't know. I don't think Taylor necessarily cared. I think she is over whatever happened between them. If anything did happen between them, like if they did have a falling out, maybe they just drifted away, uh, drifted apart. But if they did have a falling out, it has been years. I'm sure she's over it. I'm sure she's fine. She was also putting on a show and is like one of the biggest artists of the year in the world. You know what I mean? Like her tour has gone crazy and she has so many dates. She's added even more. Like it's a huge deal. Her tour. I think she's fine, but like, I feel like, and maybe she's like, maybe, maybe you feel a little petty of like, ha, and you're coming, crawling back to me, coming to my show. But maybe she's just like, I just don't even want to deal with you anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know which way she's approaching this. I think she's fine. I don't think she had like a breakdown that Carly came to her show. But anyways, my friend Brittany and I were talking about like, what would that feel like? Um, And I had, I, and I said that I was like, regardless of if they were in a relationship or not, I do think that sometimes people forget how intense platonic friendships can be. Like if you are so close to someone, you feel like they're your sister. You, You feel like they're like, your twin flame or whatever you want to call it. Um, and she, and Brittany was like, yeah, like breakups would be hard and stuff. Obviously. I mean, she is in a very, very loving committed relationship and has been for, I don't even know, a couple years. Um, and she was like, obviously those kind of things are devastating, but she was like, if I ever had an issue with you and you were not in my life anymore, 
like from like we had a falling out and we were no longer friends she was like I think it would ruin me and I was like oh same like same it's like when there's somebody that is so close to you that you share literally everything with and you feel like they're like your sister I keep saying that but like just such a close friend that is just like this like incredible bond that you can't even really describe zero romantic feelings there but you just have this like bond of friendship when that ends it is wildly damaging because it's like you can't even explain it away of like the feelings went away or like they cheated on me or we grew apart in our relationship and no longer have those strong feelings with each other like you can't even explain it away through romantic feelings changing or being different it's literally just like friendship platonic feelings but no they're no longer there and it's like it's rough it's rough out there so it is crazy to me that she went just because if there was a falling out that seems kind of shameless to then show up um and there are a lot of people who break it down that you can look into it further there are a lot of reasonings that are more specific about her going or about their falling out um but her going to the show is Carly going to the show is interesting to me. It's also interesting to me that she was never invited to the VIP tent or maybe she was and she said no, but she never went into the VIP tent at all. I would kind of hazard a guess that she was not invited to the VIP tent. Um, considering a lot of the lyrics that seem to point to Carly make it evident that even if Taylor did play a part in the falling out, which, you know, there's two sides to every story. Um, it does very much feel like Taylor walked away from that friendship feeling very betrayed for some reason of like hearing somebody talk, someone you trust talk about you behind your back, hearing the role that they may have played in the selling of, oh, um, my doorbell just rang because an order was just dropped off. So I'll stop this in a second. I just need to finish this thought. Taylor was very clearly betrayed in some sense or felt betrayed in some sense by this person she writes about that seems to point to Carly. We don't know if that's true or not. But the thing that is wild to me is (laughs) this is taking a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Anyway, that's fine. The thing that's crazy to me is that there are songs that she sings that talk about the situation that may or may not have caused they're falling out. And there's also a song called Bad Blood that's on Taylor's 1989 album. Carly Kloss was in the music video for that. And it's talking about a friendship being over. And like Taylor got all of her best friends at the time to join that music video. It was a huge, it was a huge deal. If you haven't watched the music video, I don't know where you've been because there were so many celebrities in it. Anyway, um, It's just weird to imagine that Carly was literally in that music video as her friend and now she's listening to it as a possible ex-friend and now the song could be almost directed at her and she's just like singing along to it. I don't know that I could handle that. I don't think that I would show up to my friends, even if they were the biggest pop star in the world at the moment. I don't think that I could handle that. Just like, I just don't think that I would have the like shamelessness to do that and like last night taylor swift announced that she was coming out with she was re-releasing 1989 um taylor's version and 
like somebody pointed out that Carly was the first person they had had said Carly was the first person to hear 1989 or at least certain songs from 1989, whatever, like Taylor played them for Carly um, as she was writing them or when she like had finished them. Cause that was at the time when they were like best, best friends. And um, so like Carly heard the album first or was one of the first people to hear it. And now she's sitting in the stands, not even VIP 10. She's sitting in the stands, just all of the other fans hearing Taylor say that she's re-releasing it and probably had no idea. Like, I doubt she's informed of Taylor's decisions and like life if they're not close anymore. Um, so anyway, it's just kind of wild to think about that of like how that must have felt for both of them. I'm sure Taylor had other things on her mind. She was putting on a show and Carly seemed like she was having a good time. So maybe they've both moved on and it's not a big deal. And maybe Carly was like, hey, can I come? And Taylor was like, do what you want. I'm not inviting you to VIP or whatever. I don't know how that went down. Um, But it's just really weird to think about that and to see the change. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I just can't imagine sitting near and like near Carly and seeing her mouth along to these songs that is like, like there's a song that talks about Scooter and there's other songs that talk about the selling of her masters. And it's like, if Carly had any role in spreading rumors about it, that helped with the sale of the masters, which is not like, that's some people's theories. I don't know if that's true by any means, but like, if that's the case and she's just sitting along and singing along to those songs that are like Taylor's talking about how distraught she was about that situation. I don't know, man. That's just, it's weird. It's weird. Um, anyway, now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about what I was actually going to talk about. But first I need to go pull my order in from outside. Okay. I'm back. So, like I mentioned earlier, today's episode is going to be about fashion. Um, It's going to be more, uh, I don't want to say informative because that makes it sound like I'm teaching a, like, lecture, which is not the case because, again, I am by no means an expert, but it will just be more, like, discussing fashion in general, I guess, which, if you like fashion, then this episode should be interesting to you. If you don't, it might still be interesting to you, but maybe not. Um, anyway, so I'm going to go to my friend's message that she sent me. So she sent me an article, which I'm going to look at. I have looked at, but we're going to kind of look at together. Um, the article in question, just in case you want to look it up in the future, um, it's called, we are all living in a post genre fashion future. You can probably just Google post post genre fashion and it should come up. It was written about two years ago and it's by Anna or Anna, A-N-A, Anna Angelic, A-N-D-G, sorry, A-N-D-J-E-L-I-C, in case you want to look up the writer and this article. But we're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, But in this article, she's just talking about what it means to be a post-genre fashion world, I guess. Um, And we'll get into it a little bit more. But my friend said in regards to this article and just in general, she said the question to me is, 
Is it not cool to be trendy anymore? So fashion has just become whatever it means to the consumer. So we can all just curate our own individual looks. Or is this sort of choose your own style thing simply today's trend? And in another decade, we'll be back to a more distinct era of fashion. So is this whole post-genre melding genres world that we live in, which we'll get into more, is that the future forever or in the or will that change as well? Um, and then my friend went on to say the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even 2000s had very distinct style characteristics. I'd say about since about 2015, give or take, that's not so much been the case. After colored jeans and chambray shirts, where did we go from there? Which is such a good thing to point out because I absolutely was wearing colored jeans and chambray shirts together. That was just chevron. Um, There was the classic combo of mint and coral. There was um, like, there are just so many, they were like this huge bubble necklaces. Those like huge statement necklaces. They were really popular. Um, What else was popular in like the 2010s-ish? But you know what I mean? Like, there were very distinct trends that if you looked at somebody, a picture of somebody in an outfit, you could probably say that was taken in 2012 or that was taken in 2015 or whatever, just because of what they were wearing. That was probably what was trendy at the time or like that was what was trendy at the time. So they were probably wearing it in that era of when it was trendy. Does that make sense? I had an idea in my mind and I don't know if I worded that correctly to get that idea across, but Anyway, so basically this article, we're going to talk a little bit before we jump into this article, actually, we're going to kind of go through the different fashion eras because it was just interesting to me. So like I pulled up an article that talks about that has like a timeline of clothing styles. It starts in the 1800s. We don't need to go that far back. Um, it like we don't need we don't need to go into the, like the romantic era the victorian era that doesn't really matter but like starting especially in like obviously those all had very distinct styles i mean like you're talking about like if you like watch like a regency romance movie you can definitely see a difference between that versus if you're watching a movie that was set in like the victorian era era Or, like, even, like, the mid-Victorian era has, like, the bustle and things like that. In different times, they did not, they were not wearing bustles, you know? Like, so, anyway, (laughs) it's very interesting to imagine those or to, like, see how big of a role fashion plays on being able to tell when something was created. You know what I, does that make sense? And like when you're watching a movie, you kind of know about when the movie was set just by what they're wearing. You can usually kind of have a ballpark idea of when that movie was set, even without knowing the story, even without looking into it. You look at their fashion, you can kind of tell when, like what the setting of the movie is. Anyway, getting into the 1900s though, that's what most people are probably going to be able to call back to more easily just because nobody, when we're talking about like going back, like how trends come back. Nobody's wearing bustles. Nobody is going to be in those huge ball gowns again. I mean, like not on an everyday basis at least. So the 1900s is a little bit more, um, 
I guess I would say like reachable if we're wanting to wear vintage items or wanting to be inspired by different time periods fashion because those they're just they're closer to the fashion we have today. So 1920s, you know, flappers, art deco, etc. Love that. Um, and then World War II kicks in. So kind of starting in like the late 30s, 40s, you're getting into utility clothing more because the war is going on, which is also so interesting to like when you think about how much fashion influences the world and then vice versa, that the world influences fashion. I would say the world influences fashion more obviously just because like the needs of the times people will be like oh actually this would be a more I don't know like efficient kind of clothing for the current time period this would just make more sense for what's going on and then I think in turn I think it's almost like a cycle I think the world the changes of the world influence fashion fashion changes and then that also moves the world's like society forward, if that makes sense. I don't know. I just think fashion is important anyway. Um, so like, especially when you're studying like history and stuff like that, just to see like the like influence or impact that history has on fashion is just very interesting to me. Um, so then getting into post-World War II era, you're hitting in the 50s, you're hitting like the glamour, like Hollywood glamour starlet vibes of like those like really pretty like big curls, I guess. The more glamorous makeup looks like red lips, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're getting into um, the 60s. If we're hitting the 60s, you're getting into bell bottoms um that kind of hit over into the 70s a little bit more but the 60s were where is like short mini dresses were big um where is what is the 60s inspired outfit so 60s definitely 60s 70s kind of like the hippie flower power movement was kind of hitting the the 60s going into the 70s then it kind of transformed in the mid 70s into a little bit more disco um which like those the flared pants and things like that that did kind of cross over into the 60s those were pretty similar but um yeah (laughs) they I'm sure that you could go through their more distinct they're more distinct um properties we're not going to get into it that much but uh the 80s then you go into the 80s with um more like they they call it the new romantics the new romantic look which was colorful attention to detail um i'm gonna sorry i'm opening more into that um so like if you looked at like, <laughs> sorry, I just got really distracted because there's apparently in the new romantics section of this article, there's something they call the swashbuckling pirate look. Um, So like they're talking new romantics is like, they're saying like the, it's like a romantic glamour look. Um, 
And they said the typical romantic glamour had the swashbuckling style of pirates and buccaneers. Full-sleeved, frilled pirate shirts were made from luxury fabrics. Um, And yeah, I guess... I guess there's a picture of a swashbuckling pirate look on a model in the eighties, which is, which is very interesting. Um, anyways, so we're moving past that. I can't look at that anymore. Um, and then you're getting into the nineties, it kind of started in the eighties, a bit of like grunge, but it really hit, it really kind of took off more in the nineties, the grunge look you also had, you're also like within all of those time periods, of course there were different looks. Like not every single woman in the twenties was wearing flapper dresses. Not every woman in the sixties was wearing mini dresses, you know, like there was definitely going to be like grunge looks to a degree in every era. You know what I mean? Like kind of like the alt, um, whatever you want to call it not punk, but like kind of those looks that's kind of going against the grain or not really conforming to the trends of the time. Of course, there were going to be those genres of fashion throughout, throughout history. But in the, in the nineties, I feel like in the eighties and nineties, you really start to see that break off more. Again, this is just me saying that I was not even alive in the eighties. So I'm making this up, but, um, the grunge look really kind of took off in the nineties. According to this, um, according to this article, you also start seeing more like minimalist, like neutral tones, very clean, sharp, chic structures, um, within like the shape of the outfits. Um, you also kind of the nineties brought back a bit of a like hippie look from the sixties and seventies. And pulled that back in with a twist. Um, Yeah. And then we're getting into the 2000s, which are not included in this article. But I feel like I can speak on the 2000s. I was alive in the 90s, obviously. And when I was going to school, though, it was like late 90s, early 2000s. And the popular things at the time were like... Well, I'm thinking 2010s now because I'm just thinking when I was in like junior high, that was kind of late 2000s going into the 2010s. Um, These things are coming back and it is wild to me of like the like the shirts that look like scrunchies and also they're like these like beaded bags that have like these like big sequins on them. Those are wild to me um, that those are coming back. Then there are, like, certain hair things. Okay, there's this hair thing that is, like, a headband that goes all the way around. You know, it's, like, a full circle. But there are, like, teeth on it. And those came back, like, I saw videos about it, like, maybe a year or two ago. I think it was a little while ago. And I didn't really see anyone out and about wearing them. I think it was when a bunch of people were trying to do, like, more Y2K fashion. Which Y2K fashion is still very, very popular. I don't think the headband took off that much, but like, let me look up if there's a name for it. I know you guys will, if you've ever worn one before, you know what I'm talking about. Hand headband with teeth. Somebody's already Googled it. So they know the zigzag, I guess is what they say, or it's just called the headband with teeth, but it goes all the way around and you kind of clip it so that it becomes a full circle. But when you put it on, you kind of have to like put it all the way to your, down to your neck. At least I did, or at least like down to your face so that it like 
is not around any of your hair and then you kind of push it up and it hurt so bad I was never good I could never figure out how to put it on without it hurting me and also because of the shape of my head it would just kind of like come off like I don't <laughs> it never worked for me I could never pull those off um but when people were bringing were like oh my gosh look at these cool vintage things that I that I like found and I was like don't do it don't bring it back and it's like low-rise jeans are coming back that was such a 2000s trend um that quite frankly we don't need to have return um I just feel like the low rise trend spurred on a lot of eating disorders in the 2000s so as long as it comes back without the judgment that it had in the 2000s of like a certain body shape that you had to have to be able to wear low-rise jeans or if you just don't want to wear the low-rise jeans then nobody's gonna say anything about it that's fine too but anyway so here's the thing is like my friend said there were very distinct trends from each decade that you can look at a picture and you can say I know when that photo was taken just because of what they're wearing or at least I have a good idea of when it was taken that's not so much the case anymore. Um, I would say the current trends are definitely, like if we're looking at a trend, there for sure are still trends. But I don't know that they are as widespread. I think that people kind of just do their own thing a little bit now, a little bit more now. Um, and I'm not in high school anymore. So you might get judged. They Like they might still get bullied for not having... I don't know, the latest Crocs. Crocs are back in style. So if you don't have any, maybe you're like an outsider. I don't know if that's still the case. If I I was going to say if any of you who are listening to this are still in high school, let me know. But I, I actually really hope that no none of my listeners are in high school because I don't know how I would relate to you at all. You're literally a child. So anyway, um, I don't know if that's still the case. Maybe it is. I think bullies exist in every age. So I'm sure that there still are people who will judge you based on what you're wearing, but it feels less so the case because just in the sense of leisure wear is very popular. That has been a trend that this writer talks about that I'm going to get into. Um, it kind of became, it had started becoming a trend a few years prior to the pandemic, just because I think that leggings became really really popular I would say in like the 2010s especially probably around 2014 20 2013 14 15 somewhere around there leggings became really popular never really went away um but like leggings and a t-shirt were just a popular go-to look I know that in college I definitely just wore like leggings to school sometimes um and like wearing leggings as pants just became a trend I guess you would say that just never really went away so I think that that kind of was the starting point for hey yeah I actually can just wear comfortable leisure wear like athleisure wear to school or to run errands or depending on where you worked how strict of a dress code they have maybe they'd even let you wear some there um but once the pandemic hit and people were working from home for the most part, like depending on your job, a lot of office jobs where you would have had a more strict dress code of having to wear business casual or just business looks, you were now at home. And so you could just put on a button down or a nicer blouse or whatever 
for a meeting and then take it off and it didn't matter because no one would see you and you could just be in comfy clothes for the rest of the day if you were working at home. Um, Obviously, depending on your job. Maybe some people were not allowed to do that. But for the most part, if you're working at home, you probably could wear more like leisure comfy outfits so i you could definitely see a rise in matching sets like matching sweatsuit sets track suits etc there was those have always been around but there was definitely a rise in them for like trend wise and just people selling them like they're pretty much everywhere now you could see that in 2020 that really became a huge thing because you can look cute, but also be really comfortable. So you're at home, but you feel a little bit more dressed up than just being in your pajamas because you're in like a cute matching set, but you're still wearing comfy clothes because you're just at home working, you know? Anyway, so with all of that said, this kind of talks about this, kind of goes in a different lane, like a different, I don't know what I was saying, but it kind of goes a different way than what we're saying, but it will all tie back together. We'll tie it all back together. So the article, we are all living in a post genre fashion future. I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going to just pick out a few parts. So the writer says that fashion has always been playing with hybrids, the trend, but the trend has recently accelerated. So they're talking about the mixture of genres, how genres are kind of crossing lines now. So they mention um, a brand, Sakai, comes to mind as one of the pioneers of fashion deconstruction. Bomber jackets stitched with blazers, puffer fur coats, and half-wool sweater, half-wool sweater, half-wool coat combos. Um, Confusion as to what workwear even looks like these days gave rise to mixes of essentials, tailoring, streetwear, sportswear, men's and women's wear at large, and everything in between. It would be a mistake to equate post-genre fashion with hybrid fashion, though. Genreless fashion is a fundamental change in fashion's core organizing principle. So basically, we've seen hybrids before, as this is what the writer is saying. We've seen hybrids before of like a bomber coat meets a blazer as like a hybrid type fashion item. But this author is saying that... What she's arguing that we now live in a world that has no, that fashion doesn't really have genres anymore is different than just the hybrids. Um, So anyways, she says, recently it has been brought to a fever pitch by culture acceleration, social fluidity, and the global market. Its foundation has have been laid with the decreasing importance of traditional retail formats. When department stores reigned supreme, fashion genres were a convenient way to organize shopping malls and con- and customer journeys in store. But now, as she goes on to say, that's not really the case anymore because not that many people shop at like department stores or really not that many people do in-store shopping at all anymore. You can shop online. You can find websites that cater directly to what kind of style of outfits you like and just go there directly, you know? Anyway, um, so let me find the next part that I wanted to read. Hold on, hold on. So she says, no one in the... um." Okay, so in the same way the department stores imploded once they stopped being relevant to consumer behavior, that's what she'd been talking about the previous few paragraphs, but 
we don't need to get into that right now. Genres dissipated when the social, cultural, and economic status they signaled disconnected from the way consumers signaled their taste, status, and identity. No one on the internet speaks in genres. They speak in memes, references, and remixes. This language of boundary crossing and cross-pollination breaks down genres by default. It takes elements of different genres and turns them into a new cultural output. On the internet, we are not buying something that belongs to a specific genre. We are buying into a look of, for example, Timothy Chalamet, Pharrell, etc., These looks themselves are the memes that get to live on in endless references that they generate. Gosh, this person is a great writer. Anyway, (laughs) Um, so basically she's saying that we no longer are specifically looking for a specific genre in the sense of like, let's say like goth, okay? Goth clothing, that genre, You're not really looking specifically for anything goth. You might be if that's your favorite style, but now people are not taking it as like a, oh, I like preppy wear. I like goth wear. You're looking at, I like so-and-so's style. So I'm going to be buying the look that is their style. If that makes more sense. You're, You're kind of more inspired by people and their fashion, less so of like buying into a certain genre of clothing because that helps you relate to the people around you. Because in the past, you're buying into a specific genre of clothing because of the social classes you belong to, the socioeconomic, the socioeconomic status you possess, um, just like the cultural influences around you of like, it kind of was like, well, she's, she gets into this. Um, I'm going to skip down to where she talks about this. So... She says, once fashion genres like punk, preppy, and minimalist used to mark a subculture and define one's identity, cultural affiliation, values, interests, and social orientation. Now the tables have turned and a feeling of self defines genres. So previously you dressed to belong to your friends. You kind of all dressed similarly to each other. You had similar tastes. You would see people who were dressed similarly like a whole group of preppy kids, a whole group of goth kids, a whole group like those um, cliques you could really tell based on what they were wearing. Even if you weren't wearing the same thing as everybody around you, within your smaller subculture, you kind of had more of an outfit that blended in with them. Now the author is arguing that we are dressing to stand out. So we're going to go up to the part that I skipped. Um, And basically she's talking about how fashion genres refer to distinct and separate contexts of where you wear the clothes. So where the clothes are meant to be worn. That's what a fashion genre is. Casual, sportswear, black tie, et cetera. That that, That is what fashion genres used to mean because like she said, when... Um, stores were set up, that's how you would set it up. If you needed a black tie outfit, you would go to the black tie area of the department store. If you wanted casual, you would go to the casual or sportswear section of the department store. Um, So the author says, spurred on by the the 2020 pandemic, the referential nature of the internet, um, 
And the modern aspirational economy where status is signaled through taste and insider knowledge, not through money. Basically, the context of fashion genres has changed. Um, And so the author says, in this world, sneakers are the new loafers, comfort is king, and vintage plays are on the same pain as the latest season. What was once a niche, streetwear, vintage, etc., is now mainstream. So, yeah. (laughs) Basically, talking about how, like, you could go out to eat and you could see somebody in, like, a hoodie with, like, a blazer over it. And that's, like, business casual. Or what once was... Like everyone wearing suits, you're wearing now sportswear and and sneakers. And they're not saying that's a bad thing. They're just pointing out that like you're kind of melding these these genres together in a very interesting way of how you're just bringing like, yeah, like you see someone in a suit or like you see someone in like trouser pants with like a t-shirt or like a t-shirt under their tuxedo or something like that. Um, So the author goes on to say the ability to bring things together from different contexts in unexpected ways has become the ultimate stylistic stylistic flex. No more reserved for celebrities, stylists and artistic directors only, but for everyone. What was once a conceptual exercise is now day wear. So essentially she's saying that I'm not trying to like be condescending to read just so you know, to like be re describing what she's saying. I'm just rephrasing it so that it's easier for me to discuss it later on. Not later on because we're literally almost out of time already, actually. But basically, she's saying that what once was reserved for celebrity stylists and artistic directors for magazine shoots, et cetera, et cetera, to like put these unique looks together of meshing together these different genres and these different... Um, categories of clothing. Now it's what everybody does. It's everywhere. It's not interesting anymore. Not that again, that's, she's not saying that's a bad thing. It's just that has become the norm. Fashion has exploded in a way where you're not really doing anything different as an, uh, as a stylist or as a director, there's nothing you can do to like push the envelope anymore that hasn't already been done on a daily basis by just some random person walking down the street, you know? Um, so kind of near the end, let me skip forward. So it's talking about, she says that self-expression as the ultimate fashion genre is intrinsically linked to our new social, psychological, and cultural appreciation for self-identity, self-care, and mental health. The feeling of self and keeping oneself in regard merges with fashion and with other cultural forms. Um, so like everyone is a fashion curator. Everyone is a fashion creator. Everyone is an influencer. Everyone has their own fashion voice, which is fine. Um, but it also results in quicker trend cycles because everybody is curating their own fashion that you, you're getting bored moving on to the next look. And so you're making these genres because of, the way that this is happening, um, popular looks being created by just normal everyday people doing creative things with their looks, then you see that and you go, I want to try that too. I want to put my own spin on that. And then it just kind of like nothing ever catches on because you we just move on so quickly, um, which then means that these genres 
become less and less relevant. So, like, anything can be, like, everything can just be changed quickly. So, let me see. There was one other part that I was going to kind of end on. Um, So, okay, so the ending of this basically is saying the biggest feature of the fashion's post-genre world. So she's saying we are post-genre already. All of the stuff I've been describing means that we are a post-genre world. We don't really have fashion genres anymore. Um, So it says one of the biggest features of that is its openness to interpretation. So the only blueprint is the person wearing the clothes and the way that they wear them. Art is not in any of the objects. Fashion isn't in any of the clothes anymore. It's in, the, it's in one's own feeling of self and where they want to take it. Post-genre world forces fashion to expand its aesthetic vocabulary. Uh, to be successful here, fashion brands need to develop their signature aesthetic ledger, but it is the rest of us that buy it, trade it, and own it. So that is very... This article is just so interesting to me. I kind of picked out my favorite parts. If you want to check it out and read the whole thing, go for it. Um, I find it very fascinating because I do, I, I agree with what she's saying. Like she never pointed, she never said that that was a bad thing. Like none of this is bad thing. I don't think that it is a bad thing just because department stores, we don't really shop at anymore. So needing that genre, those categories isn't super necessary anymore. Um, it does sometimes make it hard to know what you're supposed to wear to a certain event, I guess I would say, just because those lines have been so blurred. But I do like what I do like this ending that she points out. Like there's this openness to interpretation and the art is no longer in the objects. The fashion is no longer even in the clothes. Like fashion itself no longer even exists in this world as the clothing itself it's the way that you interpret it personally the way you're putting together your clothes the way you're putting together your outfits that is what fashion is now it is not these like fashion designers or even like hollywood and because i do think that hollywood and movies definitely play a huge role in affecting trends and affecting what people want to wear and always has been she points to it now as like these people like you look at a person and you say I want that look that did start long ago I would say like Audrey Hepburn people looked at Audrey Hepburn's outfits and were like I want to wear what she wears but it definitely is easier to get those looks now because you can like just look at a random influencer on TikTok or Instagram or something and say I like what they have and they've already linked everything down below of everything they're wearing you can just wear you can buy their exact fashion taste because you can just buy everything they, they've bought and wear it the exact same way. Or you can take it and you can make it your own. Whatever you want to do. Um, so it's very interesting to me just this whole concept of the way that fashion has changed to be this like self-identity situation of you are being inspired by other people but you're also making it your own. Which I think people have been doing for decades. For decades. But it's just to a different level now because of the internet, you can kind of share those looks and constantly be inspired and taking pointers and whatever. And I also think that like, I do also think like what she said of like, you were meant to blend in more. 
like in the past, people might not have taken as big of chances and fashion risks because you didn't really want to stand out. And now everybody is taking more fashion risks because, or just like wearing, like wearing a sweatsuit to work because it's fine and it's your identity and it's what makes you comfortable. Again, I don't want to say that this is bad. (laughs) I don't want to make like my passionate voice sometimes sounds angry. I'm not mad about this change. But to end, I'm going to wrap it up, kind of bring it back to my friend's question of do I think that that's going to stay? Do I think that that's the, the, the new trend is trends changing so quickly? I think so. I think that that is, I don't think that, okay, I will say this. I do not think trends will ever die. I think there will always be trends that happen. Like there are things that are trendy even now. Post-genre fashion does not mean we do not have any trends anymore, which is not what my friend said, but like, it's like choosing which trends to follow, I think is, is more the case. Like it, there will be a lot of trends that people don't follow. There will be a lot of trends that a lot of people follow. There will be some trends only a few people follow, if that makes sense. Like, and, and you're not gonna have the same um, like exclusion if you don't choose to follow a trend because if that's not your personal style, then whatever, you know? I think that that's more the case. I think that the overarching trend is you wear what makes you confident and what makes you comfortable. And not everyone's going to agree with you. And some people definitely will. Like I see videos of like outfits people put together and I'm like, that looks hideous to me. But, like, that's them. I'm not going to say that to them. I'm never not going to go up to someone and be like, wow, that's so ugly. Why did you put those two things together? I don't really care. I'm not going to think about it ever again. <laughs> like, and if it's something that makes them happy, then it makes them happy. And I'm I'm happy for them, you know. Um, but I don't think we're ever going to go back into a more distinct era of fashion where it was more, like, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel like in the 90s, it started branching out more. There were a lot more genres that kind of, like, throughout history, where we've been branching out more and more and more. And, like, each decade brings more genres than the last one had. Um, And I just think we're kind of in the world now where where that's it. There might be times where you can, you can maybe see a trend in the future and go, Oh, that was really popular in 2021, but it's not going to be the same as it used to be. I feel like I'm not wording this in a good way. I'm not nearly as eloquent as the writer of this article is. Um, but yeah, I just think that I just think that the new trend that's from like here on out is just going to be to make your own style. And my friend pointed out that that is like a good thing in a sense, because like you can just wear your own thing and, and be fine. If you're an adult, I don't know about what teens are doing. I don't know what the teen world is like, but as an adult, usually people just stay in their own lane, even if they don't care about what you're, even if they don't like what you're wearing. Um, so yeah, I think that that is the new norm. That was literally like, a 40 minute discussion where I could have just said, yes, I agree with what you're saying. 
that I don't think we're going to have distinct trends in the future. I think that this is what it's like from here on out. Um, I think that's, I think it's fine. I think in a way it is a little sad to me because I do love that we could do 60s day, 70s day, 80s day or whatever. Like when you're in school and you have spirit weeks and you can like dress up from certain, like do the certain looks from that era, I guess. I don't think that 20, 30 years down the road that they could be like a, do a 2020s look unless, unless that's just like athleisure wear. And we start to veer away from that more as maybe more jobs go back to in office work, maybe in the future working from home won't be a thing anymore. And so that will change. But at the same time, even if people go back to work, if all the trends change and everyone likes wearing comfy clothes, maybe just wearing comfy clothes to work is gonna be the norm. And we never go back to suits and skirts, you know? So I don't know the answer to that question. I personally like if we would be able to do a 2020s look, I think that there would be specific trends you could point like pick out, but I don't think it would be as distinct as previous decades have been. So I think the distinct like fashion trends that were very integral to that era, I think that has kind of ended. I think that you being unique and mixing together different styles and staying true to like what your personal identity is and what makes you the happiest, which is a good thing in my opinion. Um, I think that that is what is going to be here to stay from here on out. But I will say that there is some sadness to that as well. I think that it is good to feel like people can just wear whatever they want and just be confident in themselves. And that's what the trend is, is just to be to, to take part in whatever trends you want to take part in and to leave the other ones to the side. Um, I, I do think that that's a good thing, but I also think that there is a bit of a sadness that comes with knowing that it won't be as distinct as in the past. You know, does that make sense? Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say. I feel like if I keep talking, I'm just going to repeat myself in different ways over and over again. So I feel like I'm just going to end there. That feels like an abrupt ending, but that's fine. Um, Anyway, this is my discussion on fashion. If you have any thoughts, feel free to share them with me. You might think that I'm completely wrong and that's fine. Let me know. Um, But yeah, that's it. If you, I hope you enjoyed this. If you like fashion, I hope especially that you enjoyed it. And if you don't, I hope that you were not bored out of your mind, but I am going to try to rustle up some guests. I think I have some that have agreed (laughs) to me already because I said, Hey, I want to talk about this. Do you think I should talk about it with guests? And they were like, I'm there. So I'm probably fine. But, um, yeah, I think this is it. So this has been your weekly dose of serotonin. Bye.